Thank you for listening to Tapping Into the Human, a podcast on addiction, recovery, and mental health, brought to you by The Albertus Project. By tapping into the human behind addiction and mental health, we can empower those suffering by creating a culture of empathy and support. Every week, you'll hear powerful stories from people about their journey with recovery and be inspired by individuals and organizations that are leading the charge in decreasing the stigma surrounding mental health and addiction. Hello, everyone. I'm really, really excited about today's guest uh, we have on Tapping Into the Human. We have Garrett Biss, who is a retired Marine Corps pilot. Um, He's actually in recovery. He's an award-winning author and prolific speaker on different topics, including self-esteem, recovery, emotional resilience. Um, So on today's podcast, we're going to cover Garrett's story, his current initiatives, and recovery. Um, So Garrett, just want to thank you so, so much for being here. It's super awesome to have you on. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's a unique opportunity, and I'm, uh, you know, always excited to make connections with new people that are doing great stuff. You know, serving this, serving in this industry, and really helping people that are that are struggling the most, and that, uh, yeah, that know that know a similar struggle. So, you know, I appreciate yeah. everything you're doing. I appreciate this opportunity. Thanks. No, that's awesome. So, to start off, can you give our listeners a short synopsis of sort of who you are? I know I gave your Marine Corps pilot, all these really cool things. Can you give sort of everyone a little bit of an overview of who you are, what you do? Yeah, certainly. So uh, yeah, I was in the Marines for 17 years, took an early retirement in 2015. And as I joke with people, like for 17 years, while I was in the Marine Corps, I'd always say, oh, if I wasn't in the Marines, I'd be doing this. If I wasn't in the Marines, I'd be doing this. And then I felt like, all right, you know, my, my, my card was pulled and now I've got to go actually do all those things. So since I got out in 2015, I've had my hands in a lot of different things, just different passion projects and really just, um, you know, bring a lot more meaning and purpose into my life. So I really enjoyed having the autonomy to be able to get involved in just what I want to and make the impact and the difference where I want to. Um, so that's really what I've enjoyed. And a lot of that work has been, uh, which we'll talk about the, some of the water projects and stuff that I do maybe a little bit later, but a lot of the, uh, the work that I do is all recovery oriented. So I've spent some time getting trained and being mentored by a human potential coach and, and trainer, um, success principles trainer, studying applied positive psychology, and, um, and have really found a lot of meaning and a lot of joy by bringing the best of what I've found from yeah. personal development, life enrichment to help empower people that have known a similar struggle to me. Um, and really just helping individuals cultivate better self-esteem, get that confidence back, deal with a lot of the shame, the guilt and the judgment, yeah. and everything that doesn't, even, that doesn't just come from the outside, but also comes from the inside. Right. So I see too many people that have, you know, they have the courage, the determination, they've made it through one of the hardest challenges that a human being can face, but then they get stuck and they stagnate and they don't continue to leverage all that courage, all that wisdom, all that willpower, all that determination right. to move forward into the life that they want and the life that they're really capable of and deserve. So uh, that's where I get a lot of meaning now. I do that with coaching. I do that with some uh, curriculum development. I run a recovery residence and um, yeah, just so many different facets. Wow. So really supporting the same calls or the same calling. No, that that's awesome. And I think you, you made a really good point talking about sort of the shame and guilt and I know you wrote a Humans of Addiction post, and for those who aren't tracking what that is, um, we run a social media initiative called Humans of Addiction, taking after Humans of New York, basically sort of just to highlight the human, because I think a lot of times there is that individual shame and guilt, even being associated a friend a family member, you sort mm-hmm. of you don't want to talk about it and whisper about it. Yeah. And in your Humans of Addiction post, you basically talked about technically you had everything. You had a newborn daughter, a, a wife, a great job, but there was still sort of something yeah. missing. Um, and I think that that is difficult for people to understand from sort of the outside looking in, like, oh, like his life is perfect, but yeah. obviously you're struggling with your own thing. So 
So, was that more difficult? And for us, that can be really confusing too, right? Like, yeah. yeah, like I know that my life is perfect. So what, you know, what the heck right. is missing? Like, right. I'm, and that's where I was. I was like, look, I'm putting, you know, proverbial 110% of the effort that I have into this thing called life, doing everything I feel like I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm dead inside. And I really came to a crossroads, as I share in that in my book, The Spheres Approach. Um, I came to a crossroads and like, look, one of two things is going on. Either some of my fundamental beliefs and values and understandings mm -hmm. about life and about what this life experience is are completely wrong, or this is just supposed to be, you know, this life experience is supposed to be this miserable thing that we suffer through and die at the end. Hoping it wasn't that, I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I kind of, I, I took to do some, some personal, some self-investigation, some self-inventory, um, and, and really opened up my eyes to question everything that I thought I knew and question everything I was doing with my time and energy. And fortunately, I found that, that it wasn't supposed to be this visible thing yeah. that we suffer through, but, but there actually is. But that can be really challenging because you're like, you know, from all the metrics that I thought you're supposed mm. to grade your life, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Why do I feel like something's missing? And I think that is a barrier that prevents a lot of people from seeking help because they're like, right. you know, I can see how my life is better than all these people around me. I can see how I have more and I have all these blessings and I don't want somebody to think that I'm not grateful for these wonderful mm -hmm. things that I have in my life. So I'm just going to shut up and I'm just going to keep it to myself. I'm going to bottle it up and, yeah. oh, I found this behavior or this substance that helps me deal with that discomfort. So I'll just kind of lean into that more. Yeah, no, and I think that's a good point. I mean, AKA why like, you know, celebrities, everyone's like, oh, I want to be a millionaire lot of yeah. substance abuse mental health issues you know sure. money is isn't everything and i mm -hmm. you know i think that that's an interesting point too so you were in the military while you were dealing with you know addiction issues did yeah. you find there was more of a stigma in the military when it came to that like did the military have anything to do with the fact that you really didn't want to come forward or that didn't really add anything no, it certainly did. And I don't know if it's more or less of a stigma than what other people deal with, but mm. I, you know, I didn't. And, and we kind of all go to that. We make that assumption. We go to that worst case scenario and we kind of forecast right. what we think is going to happen if people, you know, see us in a different light. Um, and I think that's probably common for everybody, but, but from my experience in the military, that was certainly an element of it. Like I didn't want to be seen as that, you know, that, that, that stepchild or that, that, that unique individual with mm. those special problems that we don't kind of know. Um, or be seen that light, especially as a, as a pilot. Uh, you know, I didn't want to be seen as somebody that you know need to be treated in a different way. There's so much competition, yeah. and this is probably true of every every career and everybody That's in life. Like, there's so much competition to to uh, progress professionally. Like, you don't want some, you know, you don't want some, yeah, yeah. No, that that makes sense. So, what what made you sort of come forward, and who who did help you? Was it you know doing you know going to meetings? Was it something else? Did you speaking to a therapist? Like what a made you come forward, and what was that help that made you you know feel really good about yourself? Yeah, so I, it was really coming to that crossroads. So 2013, I deployed to Afghanistan, and uh, everything in my life was supposedly going really well, and mm -hmm. a couple of things kind of aligned professionally. I had just recently got some you know some advancements professionally, so a lot of the studying and everything that I was you know, distracted yeah. my mind every way I could. And a lot of that kind of came mm. to an end. And I was afforded this opportunity uh, for six months while I was in Afghanistan to to have some time to really do some deep thinking. Um, you're, you're certainly busy and doing a lot of work when you're deployed, but there's also a lot of downtime where you're kind of sitting yeah. around waiting for something to happen. So, you know, my my marriage being at the, you know, on its final thread and, and just dealing with this constant anxiety and this constant void inside and not knowing what was going on, uh, that's why I say I kind of came to that crossroads and I was like, look, something's got to change because I've got nothing else to give. And mm. I feel like I'm not getting any kind of fulfillment, any kind of authentic joy. Um, so I took that opportunity to really do some soul searching and just to, you know, introduce myself to any new philosophy, any idea, anything that I thought might shine some light on it. 
And, and because of that, kind of having that opportunity to, to introduce myself to so many things. I mean, I was, you know, reading about, about harm reduction. I was reading the, you know, the big mm. book. I was reading a lot of things that were addiction related. And then also many other things that were just more generally about life and about finding yeah. purpose and about finding meaning, um, going to, you know, different, different religious, um, um, uh, you know, events and stuff on, on, uh, on post or on base over there watching, you know, Google. So there, they used to do like Google classroom or like Google talks yeah, yeah. TED talks are really big, you know, I, so I was absorbing as many of those as I could watching all kinds awesome. of TED talks, reading a stack of books. Guys were making fun of me because I brought, you know, half of my suitcase was full of books. <laughs> and they're like, don't you know about this thing called a Kindle? Like why are you bringing yeah. 70 pounds of books? Huh. But it gave me a great opportunity to, uh, you know, to yeah, really ask kind of those questions. And what was unique about that experience was being able to expose myself to so much at one time. I mean, I don't mm. think I've learned so much in one, in one time, especially from so many different sources. Um, but there were things that I learned because I had, you know, recently read something else that kind of resonated with that. So I was making connections, not just through what I was being exposed to, but making more universal connections right. because I was going through so much. And then I uh, decided, Hey, there's some, there's probably some stuff that's more profound here that I'm just not grasping. So let me start journaling about this and, and keeping a mm. lot of notes um, so that really kind of added a whole nother dimension to how I was digesting it. And I didn't really, you know, I, there was certainly a shift that took place there. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a complete transition or a complete transformation, but there was certainly a shift that took place and it opened my eyes up to, Hey, there's something, there's something else out there. Like, no, life is not supposed to be suffering. There can be meaning. There can be, right. um, you know, a lot of other ways that we can see and interact with things. I outline a lot of that in, um, in my book, the spheres of, it's called the spheres approach to happiness and fulfillment. And really it's just a, a philosophy for living, a philosophy for engaging with life, for setting aside some of those things that don't really matter or that don't really affect us, but we can, but can weigh on us a lot um, and focusing on those things that do matter so we can give that better version of ourselves to those things. So that really started the, that journey. And, and then as I got out of the Marine Corps, I started working with a gentleman named Jack Canfield. He's the creator of Chicken Soup for the Soul. Yeah. Um, does a lot of personal development, self-esteem uh, work. So I worked with him, became trained as a human potential trainer. Wow. And um. And then went off and studied, a, we got a certificate of applied positive psychology and studied some other coaching modalities, but through all that work, and this is what I think is kind of unique about my journey, because I wasn't really just, as, as I mentioned in that post, I wasn't really going at it to remove the substance or the behavior. I was going at it to remove the pain and the suffering right. um, and the substances and behaviors as I really came to, you know, came to appreciate was a mechanism for dealing with that. It was exactly, a you know, maladaptive yeah. way of dealing with that. Right. Um, but by going and working at, at some things that were a little bit more, more uh, deeply rooted, working mm -hmm. on my self-esteem, my confidence, gaining that sense of meaning, getting that sense of purpose, getting some better direction, re-inspiring that hope and that confidence and, you know, in a better version of my life that, that, that it was out there and that it was possible through transitioning to that journey, I, I noticed like, Hey, I don't constantly want to numb. I don't want to escape mm. on a Friday night. I'd rather be reading or doing something that, you yeah. know, that's more enjoyable than trying to numb all of my, you know, all of my worries from the week. Right. Um, so it was through that journey. And, and because of that, it, uh, and because of kind of taking maybe an outsider's view or a different perspective in that mm. journey, I realized there's a lot of tools and a lot of resources and stuff that's, that's absent or it's missing, or it's just not emphasized or available enough in the recovery community that can really help some people, you know, transform in different ways or find some missing pieces that, that they're right. just not finding. Well, yeah, no. And I think you raise a good point too. It's not a one size fits all. Like I'm, I'm yeah. very new to understanding addiction. My best friend passed away six months ago mm. and I knew absolutely nothing. And now I run a nonprofit about it. And yeah. I think, I think that's the thing. I think 
we need to educate people both in the community and people like myself who just don't know enough to have that conversation. So I think that that's a a super, super important piece. Um, And I think what's so neat is how sort of, and I think that that's what's what's fun about all this is when you go through a really bad experience, AKA my best friend passed away, I'm Mm -hmm. now doing something that's fulfilling, fulfilling her legacy and continuing on the good work. And I feel like with you, you came from obviously a very, you know, rough place. You weren't in a good place. You not only helped yourself, you are now helping others to excel in ways that you wish you sort of had your book in front of you to be able to sure. be like, okay, this That's is right. sort of a thing. So I was going to say, do you find that like a super fulfilling, like, does it help you in your recovery? Does it help you, um, you know, when you're helping others make you feel better? Yeah, certainly. I mean, there's there's so much pain and suffering that's in, in the world. And that's really what I'm on a journey to help individuals like reduce or eliminate the unnecessary pain and suffering. Of course, it can provide some purpose. Right. You know, it helps us, you know, it can give us a sense of meaning, direction, can help us grow some challenging times or where we get our strengths and kind of cultivate our, our wisdom. But there's a lot of unnecessary suffering that we bring upon ourselves and that's imposed on us in, in society or in the world that we're that we're living. Um, so yeah, absolutely. So much meaning comes from that. Like when you share something with somebody and they, you know, they kind of internalize it or like, you know, you see that light bulb come yeah, on and they, yeah, yeah, they get that little glimmer of hope in their eyes that they hadn't felt before, or you just have a, you know, just a beautiful thing about just having human to human conversations. Yeah. Like, Hey man, I've been there. I get it. Like, I understand it. And that's, a that's just really helped me connect. And, and, and really what guided me back into doing this work, uh, in the context of helping people in recovery because some of the conversations that I have, like they saw like a recognition and understanding, a lack of judgment, a certain compassion right. for hearing their story um, that really helped me connect, really help open up people so that I could, you know, help them in a, in a deeper way. And, and um, I think provided some a little bit of value or validity to what I was sharing with them. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, I think that that's good. And I've sort of been learning like, you know, my original thought was, oh, everyone in the healthcare community, you know, therapists, social workers, doctors, mm-hmm. they get addiction, but in reality they don't. So mm-hmm. I think that you're coming at it as a life coach to help support yeah. those in recovery actually have been through it yourself mm. provides, as you said, that extra level of, um, you know, Hey, this person has been through it. They're in a really good space and they just want to be able to help you do that. No. So I think that that's yeah. a really important point. This, and, and every role in there is a, is a very important piece to the puzzle of helping somebody get better. You know, there's a lot of work that's done in the clinical, you know, right. the clinical um, domain or the setting that can help individuals, you know, release a lot of those things that are holding them back or, or put to bed some of those, some of those emotional wounds or physical, you know, physical or spiritual wounds that are holding them back. But then at some point, like you get, you know, you kind of get across that line, like you're at that neutral point where there's nothing really negative mm-hmm. in your life, but there's also nothing really positive holding you, right. holding you up or pulling you forward. And that's really where, you know, where my work comes in is helping those individuals like get north of neutral. So they say like, you know, you're not at that, that baseline anymore, but more being north, new, uh, yeah. north of neutral and doing that by cultivating that meaning by getting that, you know, that, that improved sense of uh, self-confidence, self-worth, value, um, and, and really, yeah, carrying that forward. Because like I said, it's so sad to me to see somebody that has the amount of determination and yeah. the commitment to make that one of the hardest changes somebody will have to make in their life and then not continue to leverage that same determination and commitment to move to a much better place. No, I, I think that that's great. And and that's sort of, I think what each of us needs, it's sort of someone to believe in them so that way mm. they can have enough courage to believe in themselves. Absolutely. So, and I was going to say too, I'm, I'm a huge empath where you know, I always say for therapists, for life coaches, like you take a lot on when you're helping yeah. these people. What do you think, in your opinion, what is the toughest part of your job right now as a life coach? 
I think I just constantly kind of grounding myself and coming back to that perspective. Like I won't be able to help everybody. I won't be able to help everybody or maybe even anybody as much as I want to be able to help mm -hmm. them. It doesn't, doesn't mean I shouldn't do the work. It doesn't mean I can't, I shouldn't offer, you know, what I can as a piece of the puzzle or the piece of the tapestry that's going to help them get to that better place in their life. Um, and not taking anything personally. Like, look, I'm showing up as the best version that I can show up as today. I'm offering you the best advice, the best counsel, the best coaching, uh, the best tools that I've found. And I hope that it, you know, I hope that it resonates with you. I hope that you can leverage it. But, you know, if, if it doesn't work and if somebody doesn't make that progress that I can see is that, that they're capable of or that I see that they have the potential for, um, I can't take that on personally. I mean, I wasn't there every step of the way in their life up to right. that point. So I can't take full responsibility for everything moving forward. So that said, I mean, that's a lot. And I think every helping professional has to deal with that in some, you know, form or fashion. Yeah. Uh, but it's something I try to remind myself to kind of recage myself so that I, you know, so I'm not taking on a lot of the emotional pain because it's important at the end of the day, that's only going to affect how well I can serve the next person. So, right. you know, it's no, well like you said. do the best that you can, you know, with the, the people that are in front of you but you have to continue that work and you have to continue to grow and strengthen. So self-care is very important and just being able to, you know, maintain and, and, and practice some of the things that I preach. Yeah, uh, practice you know, what you preach. Well, that, that's, that's the right. toughest part is always like you're yeah. giving really great advice and sometimes being able to take it. No, I, I think that that's great. And I was going to say, um, I know I was doing a lot of research and prep for this interview and I'm like, this guy has a really cool background, Marine Corps pilot. You have these, all these really cool books that you're writing. And then one of the really cool things that I found really inspirational as someone who loves the environment is trying to do what I can to, to help out. Mm -hmm. um, you have a nonprofit called One Million Foundation. Can you tell yeah. our viewers a, a little yeah, bit so about it's, what it's that out. is? Absolutely. So it's one million goal, and and I set a personal goal to help one million people gain access to clean drinking water. So also during employment, this one in uh, 2011, I was working with a, a fellow Marine who was selling some patches and T-shirts and sending money home to a friend of his who ran a water nonprofit. So during some late night conversations, we got into talking about water, and that's really for the first time that I realized how big of uh, of an issue, you know, water insecurity is. So about yeah. a billion people around the planet don't have access, you know, readily access to clean drinking water. And as a result, um, you know, nearly half the hospital beds that are full around the world are because of water related illnesses. About uh, 30,000 people die every single week, you know, two, two to 5,000 kids every single day, depending on the region. And, and it's all because of life's most basic, you know, need, yeah. most basic resource beyond air, the most basic resource we need that we have is clean drinking water. So, you know, also doing some kind of, you know, during that soul searching period and trying to figure out where I wanted to invest my, my contribution, my phil philanthropic efforts, I realized, hey, um, you know, I, I think any charity, I mean, I wrote a book just about, you know, giving the charity and about the benefits that it provides to us. I think any contribution that we can make for the benefit of another person is a great cause. Uh, but for me, providing that most critical resource, you know, when if I can help somebody who doesn't have access to clean water, have that, have that, I'm also providing with them you know, hope for a better future. Um, so, you know, I really find a lot of uh, a lot of meaning and, and purpose by doing that because, yeah, you take, you know, any cause that you can support, whether it's, you know, a, you know, research and development for some for something, providing for somebody's education, all great causes, all do a lot of good in the world. But for me, like, you know, where I can make that contribution, if I can help give somebody water who wasn't going to have water. Yeah. Uh, so to date for the last, you know, couple of years, of course, COVID slowed us down a bit, but we, uh, you know, we've helped more than 11,000 people 
in, in different countries, you know, so some well projects in Africa, some water filtration and purification projects in, in Central and South America. Um, so we have a long way to go to a million, but we're kind of off to a good start. And that's you know, 11,000 people that we've you know, changed, changed the trajectory of their whole life and their 11,000 more that wouldn't have been helped before. So no, that's amazing. And where can people find information more about 1 million gold? What's your guy's website? Yeah. So you can go to 1 million gold.org. So O-N-E-M-I-L-L-I-O-N-G-O-A-L.org. And there's some just great information. I mean, if you just want to go and kind of learn a little bit more about the the statistics about the water crisis, see some pictures from our projects, great kind of place to go. That's awesome. Okay, well, Gara, I think we're coming to the end of the podcast. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for all the time. Um, One thing that I want to do before you leave, though, where can people find out information? I know you have a workbook on Amazon. What's your website, social media, so that way viewers can go uh, look at you. Yeah, it's a great website, First Steps to Thrive. And I'm sure you can th- throw that in the show notes or the comments. Yep. Uh, great website people can go to. There's some free video training and, and resources on there. Um, and they can find me on all the social media platforms, just Garrett Biss. Um, and, you know, if I could just provide one kind of word of hope or wisdom to anybody Please. that struggled in any kind of way, just realize that one thing I've learned is that every individual that struggled with addiction, whether it's substance or behavior, they've traveled a different life path to get to that place, a different set of circumstances, experiences, events, things that have happened in their life to get them to that place. And I really think that every individual is going to require a different path to move through that struggle and into their best recovery. So if you've ever, you know, if you've tried one thing and it didn't work out, then don't lose hope. Realize that you just got to find your right combination to fit your specific needs. And if somebody else is trying to push something on you, it doesn't feel right. Well, that's not the only tool or resource out there. There's a lot of other great tools and resources and pathways uh, to a best recovery. Um, And also don't ever compare kind of your results or your return with somebody else. If you're in the rooms with somebody or if you're going to you know, following whether it's, you know, a traditional 12 step model or some other kind of recovery approach and you see other people succeeding and you feel like you're just not making that progress that you want. Um, it's just because you just got to find the right combination. And once you do it, then you'll get to where you want to get to. So certainly don't lose hope and know that no matter what you struggle with in the past, there's, there's tools and resources and people to help you get to a better place. I love it. Awesome note to leave off of Garrett. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time. Thank you. I appreciate you. Be well. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. By tapping into the human behind addiction and mental health, we can empower those suffering by creating a culture of empathy and support. You can find more episodes of Tapping Into the Human and resources about addiction and mental health by following The Albertus Project on social media at Albertus Project and at www.albertusproject.org. Thank you.